Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Now, time for the podcast. All right, and we're recording for our bonus episode. What are we calling it? Why do I own this? Oh, 80, I own this. 85.5. Yeah, uh, why do I own this? Uh, any movie collector will understand the uh, pain, idea, notion, what have you, of looking at your collection, looking for something to watch, and coming across the spine of something and going, why do I own this? Or how do I own this? Uh, we need to fill a little bit of a gap, so Julio and I went through our movie collection and assembled a list of uh, individually five movies that we asked that same question about. And for myself personally, I tried to kind of backtrack where I would have gotten it or where it came from. Yeah, I, I looked, uh, I looked through my collection, and I so I took out all the movies that that merged into my collection when I got married. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that those don't count. That's fair. Take, I, when I look at them, I still think of my wife's movies or not my movies. Um, but then even you know after you take all that out, then I looked for the ones that either were puzzling as far as this doesn't fit with my collection uh, or movies that I definitely I wouldn't own normally mm-hmm. or, or that now that I've watched them, I wouldn't own or that. I wouldn't pay full price for them. You yeah. know, a special thing made that movie land in my collection. And uh, and then to narrow it down, I kind of tried to narrow it down to whatever had the most interesting story behind them. Uh, Fair not enough. so much the movie, but the, how I came to the movie. Unlike me, though, you still buy movies pretty regularly. I've been trying to control myself. I mean, I, I still buy I've gotten them, a but... lot better. I still, I was about to say, I still we're, have. We're growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blu-rays, I pretty much only buy, like, the last one I bought was Halloween when it came out, mm-hmm. and it's it's a, it's a different class these days. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I still on my shelf, I had a bunch of tilting my head and raising my eyebrows, because uh, back in the day, if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast, you've known how many times I've referenced the Denton Hastings on Colorado. Uh, I had a very big predilection for going over there when they would have their uh, 10 for $2 sale or something like that. And even just down here on Lamar, we have a half price books that has just a massive uh, selection of DVDs that all have just a dollar sticker on them. And last time I went there and didn't control myself, I left with fucking 12 movies. Yep. So. That's, that's why I just, I needed to draw the line hard. Yeah. So in, in my case, a while ago, I just, I told myself I'm not buying new movies. 
until I watch all the movies that I bought that I haven't seen yet. Well, in my case, I literally like the way I have my movies displayed right now. I do not have room for more than maybe four <laughs> or five. Like that's that too. I, yeah. I, I I mean, well, I got some extra shelves now, but it's still. But yeah, to your point, there's no. You and I are both guilty of this. There's no excuse for having a movie still completely in its original shrink wrapping that you haven't watched yet. Right. The whole point, ideally, in a perfect world, is like you buy the movie, you watch it that night or at least that week, and then and then if you like it, you keep it. If you don't like it, you sell it to Hastings or Half Price Books or somewhere, give it to someone. <laughs> you keep uh, it to make your collection uh, look impressive. Right. That too. Um, and then, but I still or buy if you're them. A fucking monster like Julio, you arrange your criterions alphabetically. <laughs> they look I great. Demand a recount. <laughs> One year to the date, we will rehost that survey. Uh, yeah, speaking of criterion, that's the only thing that I buy consistently now. Uh, whenever the criterion sale comes on, I'll go and buy like two or three. Uh, and, but I try to make it at least one of those sales, one of those purchases, something I haven't seen. Uh, and, you know, that's sometimes how you end up with movies that you're like, how the fuck did I end up with this movie? Oh, because I was trying to buy something blind, you know, a blind mm-hmm. purchase. Um, I actually, um, quick sidebar, I was looking it up because I couldn't even remember the name of it. Uh, the 39 Steps, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I found the Criterion at Goodwill for $2. <laughs> and I, I've never seen it, but I will buy any Criterion for $2. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, I mean, with all my talk, I went shopping at HEB of all places. I was grocery shopping uh, a couple days ago. Dude, HEB's DVD bin is nothing to shake a stick at. Wait, they were Blu-rays. They had like a, a rack that was just Blu-rays, and they were like four ninety nine or less. So I got Raging Bull, uh, and two others that are not as impressive as Raging Bull. But the, <laughs> but I was like, I might as well get three. Yeah, I, I just it was so cheap that I, I ended up getting. Uh, oh, the the uh, Muppets sequel, like Muppets Most Wanted. Oh goddamn. Disney movies are hard to come by being cheap. So yep, that's, yep. A, that's a, it was like four ninety nine, and then uh, Ty one Burrell, more. right? Ty Burrell, Ricky Gervais, uh, Tina and Fey. the Muppets, Tina Fey, yeah. of course. Yeah, it's I liked it. It's it's not the the first one, but it's still really it's good. good, and it's got a lot of good songs in it. Uh, yeah. Together again, again, I really like that. <laughs> uh, so we've assembled a list of five movies that fit the criteria that we've been explaining here. Of why do I own this? Uh, I'm starting my list off here. I have. Coriolanus on Blu-ray. Ooh, never seen it. By I... Ray Fiennes. Uh, and spawning off Julio's idea, I also looked up the Rotten Tomatoes rankings for these. 92%. And my God, that movie is fucking <laughs> boring as all hell. I am returned your soldier. No more infected with my country's love than when I parted hence but still subsisting under your great command. We have made peace with no less honor to the Volskians than shame to the Romans. Tell the traitor in the highest degree he hath abused your powers. Traitor? How now? Aye. Traitor Martius. Martius? Aye. Martius. Gaius. Martius. Dost thou think how gracey with that robbery? Thy stolen name, Coriolanus? Perfidiously, he hath betrayed your business and given up for certain drops of salt. Your city, Rome. I say, your city. 
I watched it actually with uh, former Contrarians guest Curtis, uh, Brandon Curtis, and me and him both like halfway through it were just like looking at each other. Wait, did you see it in theaters or after the, you bought the Blu-ray? It? So the whole reason I own this is because back when I used to write for uh, about MMA and boxing, which I really need to get back into, but back when I wrote for uh, Fight Hub and Fox, um, I got on a like a distribution list because they would send me screeners of UFC DVDs. Uh, to review and whatnot, and that was through a company by the name of Anchor Bay, who also released movies. So I have a dozen movies in my collection from that time. Is that where uh, Magic City came from? Yes. Okay. And My Week with Marilyn, The Iron Lady. Uh, I got uh, some ridiculous collector's edition of Battle Royale. But none of them are more, like, why than Coriolanus. <laughs> it's, it looks great, uh, but it's like, you know, a direct... The the dialogue it's Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it does nothing for me. It is boring, and then I'd for completely forgot out of all those Anchor Bay movies in my collection that that was there until I looked it over and I was like, "What the fuck?" So so it's directed by Ray Fiennes, starring Ray Fiennes, right? Correct. Did you? How did you end up watching it with Curtis though? Did you like invite him over to watch Curtis? Uh, well, back in the day when we all worked together, and you know, Curtis's. Uh, if I can use the word predilection again, his uh, predilection for couch surfing. <laughs> he had stayed over, and I got it. It was, I, it was nominated for several awards, and me and him hadn't seen it, and we're like, let's watch this. And then when it was done, we were like, fuck that. <laughs> uh, we before we were recording, talking about Jessica Chastain and all the things she's got going on right now, and she's in there as well and Gerard Butler like the lines are all delivered really well Brian Cox is in it but man it's just it's like watching fucking paint dry it's no Shakespeare in love I would gladly watch Shakespeare in love <laughs> before I watch that I feel bad for Ray Fiennes because I remember it bombing hard I I think I remember seeing the trailer and then thinking all right we'll check this out and see and then it just disappeared and I don't think he's directed again I wonder if that just left yeah. I'm sure the day taste. will come where I have to look at it and go, maybe I was wrong, and I revisit <laughs> it because it's in my collection. But yeah, for now, it remains in the <laughs> upper echelon of what? Where did I get this? Maybe I thought it's... you were going to say that the day will come where you look at it and you go, it's time to go. <laughs> no, my movie collection will stay complete until the day it all has to go. <laughs> that sounds pretty ominous. I will start getting rid of wrestling shit before I get rid of like my movie stuff, just because I don't know. It makes me feel important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess we'll go with my my number five. Also, and just put a pin on it. That's a movie. I, if I have in my collection, someone can ask, "What's that?" And I can act like real fucking refined and regal <laughs> about it. like, well, it's based off a Shakespearean play. It is uh, ironic as much as it is heartbreaking. <laughs> um all right so for my number five i'll take you back to my uh my the first year i attended the austin film festival so that was 2010 i think and uh one of the attendees was uh ed burns i don't know how familiar you're you're with ed burns but mm-hmm. yeah good actor interesting filmmaker in the sense that he he has he's made a whole bunch of movies um I wouldn't say that I like them all. I even know that I like most of them, but there, there's a couple that I really like, and and I like him as as, as a filmmaker. And uh, 
it was it was my first time attending panels and he had a movie that was showing at the festival i didn't watch the movie but i attended the panel the next day where he was talking about the making of the movie and uh he was it wasn't just him it was him like and two other filmmakers i actually think that the 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 panel might have been about how to make it when you don't live in la because I guess he's, he's he's New York mostly. I vaguely remember you uh, you telling me about that panel. It's probably and, and you know they have a variation of that panel every year with different people. Uh, this was my first time uh, in it, and you know Ed Burns was all about well, you just do whatever you want at you know wherever you live, and you just get it done. Because his first feature, uh, Bruce McMullen, was kind of like that. He shot it over I don't know twenty weekends with his friends and and. And eventually he he got into Sundance and and he got a deal and whatever you know that's the kind of story that you don't hear it anymore because it's it's different now now there's a lot more competition but uh, but even then he was just like if you want to make something you can make it at home and mm-hmm. you know at that time it was something that it just sounded so reassuring yeah <laughs> and uh, so uh, at the end of the panel everybody's leaving and I I loved everything he had to say and he was talking about this new movie that he had made. And how he basically they were doing the festival run, and then it was going to be released uh, on DVD and also streaming. And uh, and so when when the the panel was over, always people flock over there yeah. to like shake hands and ask other questions and whatever. And and I went up to Edward Burns and I was like, man, I love everything you had to say. What can I do to support your movie? Tell me what do I buy the DVD? Do I do the streaming? What what benefits you most? And he's like, well, you can do both. <laughs> And I was like, I'm not going to do both, but I'll, I'll buy the DVD. So I, that's how I ordered it from Amazon. A week later, nice guy Johnny shows up at, at my apartment. Hey. Hey. What's going on? What are you doing here? <laughs> what am I doing here? What are you doing here? This is my spot. Sorry to intrude. No, I'm just out for a jog. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should cut that run short and come have a beer with me. Oh, no, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. Oh, come on. It's just a beer. It's light beer, too. It's only 95 calories. You can maintain your girlish figure. Oh, thank you. No. No, I'm engaged. I, uh, I don't think it'd really be appropriate. Wow. Wow. Don't you think that was a little presumptuous of you? It's just, just a beer. No, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean it like that. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Come on. Don't be such a fucking wuss and come and have a beer with me. All right. One beer. One beer. If you put it that way. <laughs> Grab a chair. You got it. The DVD, uh, I don't know if it was available on Blu-ray at the time, but it's it's okay as a movie. It's nothing. I wouldn't put it in top tier Ed Burns. I wouldn't put it low tier Ed Burns. It's like right down the middle, which kind of fits with what the movie's about because it's about this guy that's super nice, mm-hmm. very vanilla, uh, and he he's so nice that he never really, you know, all girls always go for the bad guy, not for him. And then he meets this girl that he really he really likes, and so he takes some advice from his his uncle, who's kind of a player, who's played by Ed Burns, and uh, and you know tries to hook up with the girl. And I don't even remember. I'm sure he gets the girl at the end because it's that kind of movie, <laughs> you know. But the movie in in Edward Burns fashion really hammers his point home over and over, which is, isn't this guy nice? And shouldn't this guy either? deserve better because he's so nice or smarten up and maybe not be so nice so that people will find it more interesting. And oddly enough, the movie's not that interesting because of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the kind of movie that 
it's only my collection because I like Ed Burns as a person and as a speaker so much. Uh, and it's only he's able to sell you on it, right? And and yeah, I mean the movie would could be much worse, and I would still own it because it's not so much about the movie itself, but about that interaction we had and that panel I attended, and what what that movie symbolizes, which is like this dude made the movie outside of the studio system just because he he decided that he wanted to make it, you know, and uh, he's made more movies since then, at least one movie since then that I really like a lot more. So it. It's good. I don't know that movie, oddly enough, <laughs> but I own Nice Guy Johnny. <laughs> All right. Uh, for my number four. Oh, and by the way, Nice Guy Johnny, it's at 54% in Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. It's even vanilla in its tomato meter uh, percentage. I was going to say, moving on to my number four, but I really don't have these ranked in any type of sequential order. I just had them ranked in basically the way the order I was going to talk about them. Uh, that's what I did. Okay. So, yeah, we're not saying this is, like, the number one worst movie. Uh, Katy Perry, Part of Me, I have in my... Is that a concert? Uh, no, it's a documentary about her music career. Katy's just an explosion. She keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's always about the challenge. What are people saying she can't do? That's what she does next. Every song has something to do with her life. She outworks everyone. I honestly don't know how she does it. She's under a ton of pressure. The whole world is watching. We have some not-so-happy news of the divorce of Katy Perry. What happened there? Uh, that I is still on the shrink wrapping. I've never watched. And uh, I acquired it through the annual box of shit that we would get at Christmas at the theater. Okay. So it's a Paramount movie. And for those of you who don't know, uh, at Christmas time, for movie theater managers, at least at Cinemark, uh, film studios would send just boxes of random shit. I'd be surprised if they don't do it for every chain. I would imagine they would. I'm just saying we can only speak (laughs) for Cinemark. And so they sent a box... Of movies, and it was ransacked by the time I got there, and all that was left was <laughs> Katy Perry's part of me. I was like, well, goddammit, I'm going to take something. And so that was at least six years ago. Uh, so I, you would have taken it, whatever that was, even if it's not that. As long as it wasn't This Is 40, I would have taken it. <laughs> yeah, that was at least six years ago, because I, I haven't worked at the theater for five years. But since then, it's just been on my shelf with all my other Paramount movies. Collecting dust. I'll watch it one day. It's at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> but still, it's one of those, especially with all the Paramount movies I own, it's like There Will Be Blood, Rosemary's Baby, Tommy Boy, uh, Star Trek, all these other. And then you just get to Katy Perry part of me. And, what? I've had to explain it a couple times when people have been over here. How do you feel about Katy Perry as, as an artist? I used to really enjoy her. It seems like she. Uh, her look got weird for me, but um, California Girls or California Dream or whatever that album was, that was a fucking baller ass album. <laughs> blast that shit constantly. Uh, that song she had last Friday night, that was good. Um, I think her story's interesting. And she's a very pretty girl, but uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not like Tegan and Sarah. I don't follow her around on concerts and stuff. I yeah, my my knowledge of Katy Perry is minimal. I know that there was a um, there's a big hubbub when she was in the Muppets show. 
wasn't she like with Elmo or something? And and basically her whatever she was wearing, there was a lot of screen caps going around of her like having just a lot of cleavage being shown around. Well, Elmo. or was, was it like, maybe that her boobs were like really big? Yeah, it was that, and then she like parodied that on SNL wearing like a really intentionally low cut shirt. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that she was able to laugh at that because I it felt like an overreaction. Yeah, little kids watching you know Elmo they they don't know they don't care. Yeah, and it's just if her boobs were like out, it would be one thing, but some women just have large breasts. It learned that from the very beginning, kids. Yeah, that's how it works. We come in all different shapes and sizes. So one day I will watch Katy Perry's part of me. Until that day, it remains a noodle scratcher in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> noodle scratcher uh my number four is at 74 percent in rotten tomatoes uh and it actually it also i can trace it back to another film festival uh but not in austin this was back when i lived in college station and i think it might have been my second year in college station so maybe 2003 or so uh college station is not the the town that austin is so so when i say yeah when i say film festival i mean it's it's kind of a big deal if if it actually qualifies a film festival at least back then i think obviously i haven't lived in college station for a while uh, 10 years now so they've they've grown and there's more stuff going on but at the time the biggest thing happening was the uh the festival organized by the by the university by a&m which is really the core of what college station is around Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, a friend of the movie theater, a fellow manager, he was he was an Aggie and he was part of the committee that was organi- organizing it. So he invited me. He, well, he invited. He told me about it, and he's like, "Yeah, you should come if you're interested in film." So I went, uh, watched a handful of movies. Uh, one of which was uh, is it the girl next door, the one with Elisha Cuthbert? Yep, she's a prostitute. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant is her pimp. Uh, I think I like that movie more now, but I remember not caring for it. She's a porn star. She's a porn star. You're right. Yeah. And he's her agent, I guess, not her pimp. Uh, But anyway, that that movie, I came out of that screening. Everybody loved it. And I was just like, eh. That's right. It's kind of how I felt when I saw it. Because I remember I would have been like 15 or 16, 17 maybe when it came out. And everyone was gaga about it. And I was like, eh. Yeah. It didn't quite work for me. At some point, I owned it. I don't own it anymore. But that's not the movie I'm talking about. The a movie that I really liked during that festival, which also included the uh, Viggo Mortensen vehicle Hidalgo. Nice. Yeah. That was like their big, I think, uh, just the big closer on Sunday night. Uh, But anyway, there was this smaller independent uh, movie called Robot Stories. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you. That's better, isn't it? (laughs) The more we interact, the more I can tailor my work to your expectations. Gotta get that fixed. And it was just an anthology 
four short stories uh, put together. You know, they made up a feature, and uh, they were just about robots, humans interacting. Uh, the first one, I think, is like this this is young couple. Drama? Yeah, okay. drama had the comedy. Like they had different tones in each of the of the stories. Some ones were funnier than others. Like the first one, I think, it's a it's a young couple that wants to have a kid, but in this future, before you have a kid, you get like a training kid, which is like a little robot. And if you can prove that you know you can handle the robot, then you're allowed to have a kid. Uh, there's another one where there's this. I remember if this this older lady that's has her son's collection is missing like one little piece I get her his action figure collection little robots is missing something and she's looking for it I think and and the son is in a coma so she's kind of like in her mind she's related collecting all the all the pieces all the all the action figures to her son coming out of the coma oh wow uh it's another one about like uh two office workers are androids and they fall in love with each other, and all the humans around them are kind of like freaked out by it. It's uh, it's just like really quirky and really. Uh, it felt to me that was like out of all the movies I saw that time, it felt like Most what impactful. A, well, yeah, and also like what a film festival usually promises you. You know, we're gonna show you the movies that normally you wouldn't see because this is not gonna screen at a movie theater near you, but it will give you an insight into independent filmmakers. And uh, so imagine my surprise and pleasure when I actually run into a DVD of Robot Stories at a Hastings. Nice. College Station had two Hastings for all the shit God I would talk damn. about that town. God bless. <laughs> Both of them were great. And yeah, they had Robot Stories uh, one day on sale. So I just jumped to it, bought it, rewatched it just as good as I remembered. Still in my collection. God bless. 74% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that would still qualify as a fresh... Not a certified fresh, but it but it's totally it's, fresh, it's a yeah. fresh, yeah. So going from the fresh to rotten, uh, another movie I came across that I remember buying when I was younger and thinking like uh, not that much younger, it's 2011, but still in my 20s. It's like, oh, this looks artsy. Uh, this will add a nice accent to my collection, and that is the other woman with Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm the new associate, by the way, Amelia Greenleaf. Jack Wolf. Nice to meet you. I'm married. Is that okay? As long as you don't say they've never done this before and you're afraid of hurting your wife. I've never done this before and I'm afraid of hurting my wife. Will, this is Amelia. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you too. <laughs> to Amelia and Jack, may their marriage be long and fruitful. I'm so happy that you're expecting. <laughs> Jack! Jack! Oh my god, what? At thirty-eight uh, percent, which is way too high for that movie. I haven't seen it. Oh man, it's really bad. Is she the other woman, or is she the the woman? She's the other woman. The woman is Lisa Kudrow. What? Yeah, it's a it's a drama, right? Yeah, I mean it's really fucking sad. It deals with a baby dying and shit, but like it's somehow. I mean, I've never seen anything Natalie Portman's bad in. Right. But still, it it's wait, Garden State. She still did what they wanted that character to do. <laughs> as skin crawling it as it is to watch. She has some really good scenes in this movie and like there's a really good like back and forth with her and Lisa Kudrow, but it it's just it feels so pretentious and like borderline heavy handed. It's really bad. And who's who's the guy? The guy that's lucky enough to, to <laughs> have the, those two fighting, yeah, fighting for his love. Yeah. Scott Cohen. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> exactly. 
Not even Scott Kahn. No. Or uh, John Favreau, who had <laughs> Sofia Vergara and Scarlett Johansson fighting over his affection and chef. <laughs> no, but it's a movie I I definitely forget that I own from time to time. It's with the it's an IFC movie, and so my IFC collection is so weird. It's like that super killer inside me, and um, what's that movie with Emily Blunt? I really like your sister's sister. But yeah, don't watch the other girl or the other woman. Excuse me. <laughs> I've, I think once upon a time I was so enamored with Natalie Portman that I don't care what you said. I would have watched it yeah. because I was just she's great. She can't do no wrong. I I agree. Garden State. I mean, it's not her fault. No, she she's doing what Zach Braff said, uh, but. But now I've calmed down. I, I, I don't know that I, I still have some actors and actresses that I will follow anywhere. Fastbender's probably one of them. Uh, Tom Hardy. Not for me, but no, I yeah, respect yeah. your opinion. Uh, if, if, if the guy it was in, Jessica Chastain <laughs> until recently, <laughs> if the guy and the other woman was Michael Fassbender, now, now we were talking. <laughs> or if the other woman was Kate Winslet, I'll go there. I know you do love Kate Winslet. I do. All right. So. I think my next one is not rotten. It's it's sixty one percent. Have you heard of Bug? You drop those off. Come to the jukebox. I want to introduce you to somebody. You're very beautiful. I like hearing you talk. If you want, you can stay here tonight. That'd be nice. They live in your blood. What is that? Hey, you see it? It's a bug. Jerry, you can't stay here. You throw me out? Get out of here! Place is crawling with these things. And they feed on your brain. There's no bugs on your skin. You have to dig it out. I'll dig it out and show you. This spring, from the Academy Award-winning director of The Exorcist, Open the door! comes the movie the Chicago Tribune calls one of the most disturbing horror movies imaginable. We have to kill them. They want you to know they're there. Bug. We'll never really be safe again. William Fritking, Michael Shannon... Yeah, with uh, Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. Uh, horror movie directed by noted, I guess, horror director. We would mm-hmm. say Fritkin is a horror director. Uh, he directed The Exorcist. Yeah, but what if that's like the one horror movie in his career? I don't know. I'm not familiar with Fritkin's career. He also directed Killer Joe. French Connection. Is that him or is that uh, uh, that guy that did Reindeer Games? Killer Joe, you're right. And I think Bug is based on a play by Tracy Letts, who's the same guy that wrote uh, Killer Joe. I haven't seen it since the first time I watched it. French Connection is uh, Fredrickin. Oh, there you go. So, thriller, horror, he can do no wrong. I Normally, I wouldn't watch Bug. I'm not... Frankenheimer was Reindeer Games. There you go. Yeah. He's done something else, Ronin. Uh, but, yeah, the... I came to watch Bug not because I'm a Friedkin fan or even at the time a Michael Shannon fan or Ashley Judd fan. It's fucking weird. It's a weird fucking movie. Okay, I'm glad. So we're at the point where there's a movie that we both watched that's yeah. in one of our lists. Uh, I screened it. Um, it was it was playing uh, – It I think it premiered right as I started working with Cinemark. 
Do you remember it lasting? Because I think at our no, theater, it was like in and out. I remember like there was one week it had it, and then the second week it was already sharing a theater. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think in ours it just lasted like a week, and that was it. Uh, and I I screened it at the time. I would usually just screen movies that I was not interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I really care for a movie, I would just watch it with an audience. But this one, I was just like, I want extra hours, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, you screening is when you watch the. The print he used to be to make sure that it yeah. was spliced together correctly. Back when there was an art for it, <laughs> and that you got no faulty reels, and that there, no no film no scratches, was damaged, no water damage. Yeah. yeah, now it's just all digital. So really, I mean, you should still quality check, but it's not the the same thing. Where you know now, if something is bad with your transfer, all you can do is send an email and request a new a new file. <laughs> but it's like before, if something was wrong with the way the movie was spliced, you could just. Yeah. Go to town and fix it, uh, fix at least some stuff. But anyway, I, I just sat to watch Bug, thinking, all right, well, I'm just, I'm not really gonna care, and I ended up being fascinated by it. So if I remember correctly, because like I said, I've only seen it do once, but it was, it made enough of an impact that when I saw it on sale at Walmart or wherever, I bought it. <laughs> uh, she runs a motel, right? Mm-hmm. Ashley Rowe runs a motel, and uh, he, Michael Shannon, arrives one day, and he just kind of like stays for an extended period of time and he becomes he's paranoid about is it just bugs from outside because he's in the, he ends up like covering his room into like in yeah. paper I've only seen it the once too so yeah but there's like the whole thing is you don't know if he's if he's for real or not kind of right fucked up let's just say that the, his his paranoia whether it's warranted or not spreads and yeah. Ashley Judd who's a rational person ends up kind of like buying into it and it's is really disturbing and creepy and weird and i was just fascinated by the whole thing uh and and i own it i someday i should rewatch it <laughs> uh moving down the list for myself i have the great white hope starring james earl jones the most honored play in the history of broadway becomes an electrifying motion picture the great white hope most white folks, of course, are behind the white hope. Brady's the redeemer of the race and so on. But you, Jack Jefferson, are you the black hope? Uh-uh. I'm black and I'm hoping. <laughs> Any idea, Jack, why you smile when you're fighting? I'm a happy sort of person and it always feels good, huh? <laughs> and when I'm fighting, I feel double good. So what do I want to put a face on for? <laughs> and, 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 besides, it's a sport, right? Like a game. Well, I'll ask whoever I'm hitting to see that I'm still his friend. The Great White Hope. So great. A movie from 1970, loosely based on the life and career of Jack Johnson, who I have no fucking clue how there hasn't been a major motion picture made about Jack Johnson. He was a boxer from the late 1800s, early 1900s that... You want to talk about a fucking renegade. He was a a black dude that bought sports cars, wore fur coats, and dated white women in the late 1800s. And, you know, would go and fight in areas where they were still, unfortunately, lynching people of color in the South. And, like, when he beat Jim Jeffries, uh, when word got out about it, there were riots across the country where, like, whites would just go out and uh, and hang black people in retaliation for it. So very, very fascinating story. The movie itself is kind of a whitewashed tale of that, especially in the seventies. We weren't really in the 
time where we were making really grim and gritty movies. I'm um, guessing James Earl Jones plays the boxer. Jack Johnson, yeah. Okay. And um the woman who played his girlfriend in the movie was nominated, uh, Jane Alexander. They were both nominated for their respective Oscars and whatnot. So Hollywood, get on a Jack Johnson fucking movie. Recast James Earl Jones as just a smaller part. Obviously, he's not going to play the boxer, but he can be the yeah. sage black man that offers advice. I'm trying to remember how they vary. In, it was a slight variation. He played Jack Jefferson. Was his name <laughs> in the movie. Uh, you could still call him JJ. Yeah, Jack Johnson. We need a movie on that dude. So wait, The Great White Hope was who? Was the Great White Hope, the whole notion of The Great White Hope was eventually the white dude that was going to beat Jack Johnson. Oh. Who they thought was going to be Jim Jeffries. I'm sorry, this happened well over 100 years ago. My knowledge is a bit spotty. But, Jim uh, Jeffries is a comedian. But he could have also been a boxer. <laughs> yeah. James Jeffries, excuse me. They're both double J's. Yeah. That, that was just fate. According to filmmaker Ken Burns, for more than 13 years, Jack Johnson was the most famous and most notorious African-American on Earth. Yeah, all kinds of crazy shit. That fight with James Jeffries, who they it was just like this white dude they had to bring out of retirement because every white boy they lined up across the country couldn't beat him. So the whole notion of the Great White Hope was whoever was going to beat the black man because it was so vilified at that point. And um, this is back in the days when it was like unlimited rounds. They fought outside in the sun. Like that whole, the fight with James Jeffries and Jack Johnson, the thing I remember reading about it was they gave, he either took it out of protest or they gave Jack Johnson the corner that had no shade. The other guy had like, was under a tree. And so, and he still knocked the motherfucker out. Anyway, so the movie is a loose interpretation on that story. And it's not particularly high in terms of, fanfare and quality because the big knock on it has been over time that it was kind of a, a whitewashed version of the story itself. Yeah. 43% of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but I remember James Earl Jones was great. I remember buying this at a dollar general in like a, a bin near the door. And one thing I come across all the time and I was going through my collection, realizing this, sometimes I feel like I don't own enough old movies. And uh-huh. so like I'll, say that I need to add more to my collection. And so when I come across things like that, that kind of have multiple levels of interest to me, I'll just kind of buy it on a whim. So I think I've only watched it once, maybe twice. Um, but I always forget I have it there. It, so, but you bought it knowing what it was about. I knew it was about boxing. I didn't know it was a loose interpretation on Jack Johnson's life. It was one of those things of like, yeah, if I buy this, my collection, the average year of release will come down <laughs> a little bit. So... Because that's an issue I have sometimes. That's that's why my Criterion Collection is like a point of pride for me. I can always be like, yeah, see, I watch older movies too. So. <laughs> yeah, the biggest thing is when I was going through, uh, it's a 20th Century Fox. So when it's in the lineup with like Alien, uh, Bushwhacked, Fight Club, all these random movies, I'm like, what the fuck is that doing in there? So. <laughs> uh, uh, my number two is kind of a, it's, it's really three movies because of the way that they're all tied together. But... Uh, it's part of the story, but basically, uh, it's uh, the kids in the hall brain candy. Do you know the kids in the hall? How do you feel, patient nine five seven? Like a, a like a fresh towel. Rorator Pharmaceutical, makers of the world's leading tablet for gas. Fascinating. Was in trouble. My empire is crumbling. 
they needed a new product. We might be releasing the most effective antidepressant ever. Go on. They don't have my notes with me. <laughs> they needed it now. Is it ready for production? Yes, sir. It's ready to go. Have, have there been any side effects? Yes, sir. A few side effects. Is this the result we're looking for? Paramount Pictures and Lakeshore Entertainment present the first motion picture from the kids in the hall. We think that everyone should have access to it, like to ghetto children. Apparently their lives are horrible. If you know them, you know what to expect. Really kinky stuff, like two dogs making love with a cat. If you don't... Hey, you kids, get out from under that lady's dress. We apologize in advance. Canadian comedy troupe. Yeah. They had like a long-running TV show. I think they're really funny. I've I've seen them live once. They long after their show had ended, they did a little tour and they stopped in Houston or Dallas. I don't know. At the time I lived in College Station, a friend and I just drove to see them, and it was great. Yeah, uh, they they released their their movie Brain Candy after the show was over, and uh, I remember hearing about it, seeing about it back when I was still living in Peru, just on cable. E-Entertainment would do like a segment on it or whatever. And I was like, I cannot wait. This, this is awesome. <laughs> of course, never made it to Peru, bombed hard in the States. I finally got to watch it one day where uh, probably like, I think maybe they showed it on cable. Cause I remember I had it recorded on a VHS tape back home and, uh, and I would show it to people, friends in Peru, and they really didn't find it amusing. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you Peruvians, you don't get it. <laughs> so then, when I moved to the States, I made it my mission. I'm going to own Brain Candy. And you couldn't find Brain Candy just going to Blockbuster, Hastings, wherever, and looking around. They didn't have it. So I, I found it online. I was able to order it. But the only way, Brain Candy was not, maybe it is now, but it was not available as a single disc. It was available as a double disc mm -hmm. with Back to the Beach. Oh, they make a drink here called the Stunned Mullet. Serve it in a coconut shell. <laughs> well, I once saw a woman drink one of these, take off all her clothes, and dance the pony right here on this very table. And your point is? Point is, I'd like to buy you two of them. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with the kids in the hall or even that style of comedy it's just some sort of it's one of those beach movies that get parodied and uh that thing you do it's kind of like yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing it, i looked up it it's Captain i've never Geach watched and the shrimp Shack exactly shooters. i've never watched it but uh i i looked it up at 71 percent on run tomatoes which is much higher than brain candy's 40 percent <laughs> probably because it's more of a cheesy crowd pleaser i own a couple movies like that that you could only get in like a a, a dead double set or uh -huh. whatever. Yeah. We'll stick you with the kids in the whole movie if you're a fan of these beach movies and vice versa. If you yeah. want the kids in the whole movie, okay, then take this shitty beach movie. Uh, it's it's an eyesore in my collection because it's not even, you know, like the spine is, is mm -hmm. split. So it's not brain candy. It's uh, back to the beach slash brain candy and it drives me crazy. And maybe someday I should put on the effort to research and see if, because they've had, I wouldn't say they've had a resurgence, like full-on resurgence. It's not like they have a TV show again, but uh, they've done stuff since then. They've gone on tour again. You would think that they would, even if the movie was a flop, I would think that there's enough demand from Kids in the Hall fans. Oh, to, yeah. And those things are so like cheap to print. Yeah, just do one without the back to the beach. <laughs> just, just, just bring candy. Uh, or just print me off a DVD sleeve that I can print and put in there. 
I should I should just do that myself. <laughs> just, uh, it's brain candy is really funny. Um, of course, I showed it to to friends here, and they were kind of lukewarm on it as well. So, kissing the whole humor are, is not for everyone. It's not just Peruvians. It was not Peru's fault. It was just the kids in the hall are kind of like a, an acquired taste. But uh, the movie itself is really funny. It's uh, it was it was a production that was very plagued by problems from what I remember reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were kind of one reasons I think they ended the show was because they were getting on each other's nerves and going into a movie with that with that animosity between them didn't it didn't ah, do wonders. The old Sex in the City movie. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tale as old as time. Yeah. One of the reasons I was so happy to see them on tour and when I saw them live was like, okay, whatever was going on, they got past it. Mm-hmm. And and now they're you know, see them live, they had it on. And and in the movie, you really can't tell. I mean you can tell in the sense that maybe the movie could have been better structured, but they're all really funny and the, the chemistry's there and, and, and everything. Uh now, as an as an epilogue to the story, uh, and also having to do my collection is years later. I'm browsing through. I'm pretty sure it was a Hastings, uh, and it might be a half price books. And I saw a DVD that was a Kids in the Hall movie. Uh, turns out it was not a movie. It was a a two part miniseries called uh, Death Comes to Town. Mm-hmm. And I got pumped because I'd never even heard of this. And it, so I bought it, watched it. Not as good as Brain Candy. <laughs> 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 Clearly, something they did much, much later because they uh, they look older. And uh, there's a commentary with two of them in, uh, I think, the first disc. And they seem a lot happier with it than with Brain Candy, which to me didn't make any sense. But I guess they just felt like in this project they had a lot more freedom. It's still funny enough, but it's not... As good as, you know, this one feels more like a, a bad movie that happens to be funny, whereas like Brain Candy is a good movie that's funny and it just was mostly misunderstood. Um, but yeah, so I own Back to the Beach, Brain Candy, Death Comes to Town. Not satisfied with the way that they all fit in my collection, but I'm not going to sell Death Comes to Town because it's still the kids in the hall. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again, but it's still there. Got to stay true to your roots. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Ones that like the spine fucks up my collection. I know I had to buy something like that to get very bad things. Uh-huh. Like I had to buy like a double set or something along those lines. Same thing with um, Muppets Take Manhattan, which is my favorite Muppets movie. To get the DVD, I had to buy a two pack with that and uh, Muppets in Space. Well, at least they had a Muppets movie and instead That's of true. just like some random group. Instead of like Sophie's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the. Final movie in my list of like, what the fuck am I doing with this? Uh, Original Sin with Angelina. <laughs> Her plan was mysterious. Your wife is fugitive. Her methods are deadly. When something has to be done, you do it. Liar! Antonio Banderas, Angelina Jolie, Original Sin, rated R. <laughs> so this had to have been i don't remember if it's best if it was not best buy but uh hastings or half price books it would have been definitely in walking out of the store with my hands full of movies type affair and have you seen it before no i've i've seen the trailer i it's i'm under the impression like i think most people that haven't watched it that it's supposed to be just super steamy between, well there are a couple scenes but there as an angelina jolie right yes and when high speed internet first became available to me and Kazaa was around and there was <laughs> at the time what passed as high definition downloads of a couple of the scenes from this movie they were very important to me as a 15 and 16 year old man 
child, as it were. So I remember my mindset being at the time that I owed it to the movie to buy it. <laughs> Do the honorable thing. Yeah, to you know, and to pay them back for the years of uh, material they had provided me, for lack of a better term. And it's so fucking bad. Like, it's just... You, you know, Antonio Banderas, when he's in the right role, he's good. And Angelina oh, yeah. Jolie is fucking talented as hell. I know the guy who directed it is the same guy who did Gia. So he caught, oh, so... caught her when she was still early. Right. And in those very important years to people of my age range. But yeah, every time I come across it, it's um, it's an MGM movie too. So the spine has like, um, they went through a phase of the spine also has like a picture, like a mini version of the poster going up the side of it. So it's just like Angelina <laughs> Jolie and Antonio Banderas looking at me all sultry every time I look at the shelf. And the worst part is it's right next to leaving Las Vegas. So it's right next to... <laughs> Nick Cage and Elizabeth Shue looking very uh, dejected and uh, fed up with life. So is it is it as as sexy as your fifteen year old self thought? Those particular scenes, yeah. But it's uh, outside of those, it's very dialogue heavy. And to be fair, like the scenes where they're uh, clanging and banging are pretty explicit. <laughs> it's not like blue is warmest color, but it's it definitely looks very intense, and you see pretty much every bit of Angelina Jolie. But but then like outside of that, it's just extremely dialogue heavy and really goes nowhere type so of thing. So what is the original sin? Sex. Them having sex. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if there was there was like an deception. Extra... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a it's been a long time since I actually watched it all the way through. But yeah, it's every time I come across it, I just look at it like why. <laughs> yeah. I and especially you know I talk about all the horror movies I enjoy and stuff. I probably own quote-unquote worse movies than that but that would definitely be at the top of the list if i had to like arrange from best to worst my collection it would probably be at the lower end of it um what's it uh did you get his it's uh run tomatoes i think it's rotten right that's it's 12 12 percent <laughs> not a lot of 15 year olds uh, providing ratings and run tomatoes no Angelina Jolie, we may have to do like a fall of her, the fall of Angelina Jolie, the or the fall winter, of Jolie. <laughs> the winter of Jolie, just because she almost like Travolta has a hot and cold filmography, yeah. and then like all her really good shit is just depressing as fuck, like Changeling, Changeling, yeah. Uh, she was in uh, Beowulf, which was one of the movies that was considered for this list in my collection. Uh, hey, same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I own that too, and I was like... Do you own the director's cut? I do. uh, Maybe that's the only one that was on sale. (laughs) Like, everyone's, like, uh, CGI'd after themselves, except for Ray Winstone's, like... (laughs) Bill of himself. All right, so my number one, it kind of ties together a lot of the the, the elements from the other ones, because it's a movie I screened, Mm -hmm. uh, and I... I had a good time, much like with uh, our last episode with the guilt trip. I had a pleasant time screening it, and therefore, uh, when I uh, when I first moved to Austin, uh, I moved with uh, I was rooming with my friends Corey and Drew, which you've met both. Corey has been on the podcast. That just kind of uh, increased exponentially the amount of movies I bought because we would all go together. Almost every night after we were off work, so it was like the middle of the night, one in the morning, midnight, whatever. We go to Walmart, which was open twenty four seven. It was just like a five ten minute drive from where we lived, and uh, we'd go to buy groceries, to buy snacks, to buy movies, 
get yeah. back, buy like 10 movies altogether, watch one that night, and then the rest would just go into our collections. Uh, so in one of those trips, I saw The Rocker. And I oh, remember God. The Rocker. I brought it up in the show before. Yeah. I kind of got suspended from school and I can't play prom. Let's start looking for a new drummer. I could ask my uncle. 20 years ago, he was an original member of the hottest band in the world. Hey, Uncle Rob. No, I will not buy beer for you and your friends, nor will I rent you my password to porn sites. I was just wondering if you'd play the drums with us. This gig is the closest I'm ever going to get to ladies. You're looking to score. I can respect that. I remember The Rocker as a movie that I had screened and had enjoyed. It was not a great movie. It was just a movie that was a solid 90 minutes. It might be more than 90 minutes, but uh, enjoyable, as it were. And uh, and we were all fans of The Office. And this movie is, is a star vehicle for Dwight, for Rain Wilson. Uh, early Emma Stone also. Yeah, at the time. You didn't know that. At the and time. The Gad. The Gad also. Exactly. Like so many awesome things. Christina Applegate, isn't it? She might have been the bigger star yeah. out of all of them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, bought it. I, I talked them into watching it that night. That was the movie that we watched. And... Both of them were reluctant to begin with, which I was like, what are you talking about, guys? It's 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 uh, Dwight from The Office, and I've seen it before. And so we watched it, and much like my friends watching Brain Candy with me, uh, they didn't have a good time. <laughs> Even though I did, I still – and I, I actually – I didn't physically put the disc on, but I caught it on TV, I think, like last year. And I watched the whole thing. Like, I, wherever it was, I just watched it all the way through to the end. And I'm like, I stand by it. It's not a terrible movie. There you go. It's not a movie that I would own, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, now, as a responsible adult... You see, it was just the middle of the night fucking with your head. Exactly. You know? And, and I'm glad for it, because I'm glad that I own it. But it's not a purchase that I would remake. You know? Uh, I would like to think I didn't pay full price for it. Uh, but we were pretty responsible with our money back then, so... You know, we didn't wait till everything was on sale. Um, it's and it's a movie that I think it's a bad rap because it's not great. But like you said, Emma Stone is actually pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. Josh Gad is pretty funny. Uh, the thing is just that Rain Wilson is so over the top that it can just put you off. And I wouldn't blame anybody for for being put off just for that performance. But if you get into the groove of it, it's all right. It's, it's yeah. It can get really cheesy. Um, because it's in the end, it's one of those feel-good comedies where you know that was geared mostly towards families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what film studio it is? No, not off the top of my head. Because yeah. I, I remember uh, in I know I got like the special no holds barred edition or whatever. Well, I, I would have probably still been in Denton when that came out, and uh, we had a sneak peek of it at our theater. And it was one of those things that film studio had to send a guy in a suit, you know, and sunglasses. Oh, we talked about that, yeah, right. The, to make me, he had to watch me build it, thread it, and then break it down after. And this dude's just staring at me, not saying a word. Uh, the big gimmick in the movie, or one of the big plot points, is that at some point, Ring Wilson, he's drumming naked mm-hmm. uh, while they're rehearsing. They're, they've gotten in trouble, so they're not allowed to hang out anymore. But they figure out they can still rehearse via Skype. So they're all in different places. Rain Wilson is in his shithole apartment, and he's naked because there's no AC. And so he's drumming naked. But then somebody Dino, hacks... Gigi Allen's drummer. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is no... Uh, <laughs> there's no Gigi Allen in this movie. <laughs> uh, 
No, the most risque thing that happens is that I think somebody's little sister hacks into the feed and then puts it on YouTube. So he becomes a viral sensation, the the, the naked drummer. And nice. that's really how they get their shot, their big shot. Uh, it's all right. It's a harmless movie. It's the guilt trip of its year. <laughs> it's better than Original Sin. Probably, yeah. Without having <laughs> oh, no, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sexy in it i mean i know i just said rain wilson is naked parts of it but that's not <laughs> that doesn't quite equivalent naked angelina julie no and he hooks up with uh with uh christine applegate in that movie so you know it also qualifies as fantasy yeah no shit that's in that john favreau school of come on dog <laughs> all right uh, did you have any any like honorable mentions like things that you considered no i kind of listed a bunch of them earlier from the the anchor bay the Iron Lady, Battle Royale, My Week with Marilyn. A lot of people fucking live and die by Battle Royale. For me, it's just kind of like a weird movie that I have up there. I have this documentary on Roger Corman that I always forget that I have. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of movies I forget that I have. Yeah, I, I've got uh, a Peruvian bootleg of Fantastic Mr. Fox that you got me. Love it. <laughs> love it. Uh, I related to the podcast i i still own a good day to thy heart i bought it because i knew we were gonna do it in the show and then we did it you brave bastard as i was going through my collection the the other things that stood out uh there's this robert downey jr movie called the singing detective i own the spanish version of that that the it's actually the the spine says uh el detective cantante like in spanish and i know i've seen it and i know i didn't like it I can't remember a single thing about it other than yeah. Downey Jr. is in it. Uh, and I also... Have you heard of a Zero Effect? Mm-mm. Ben Stiller and Bill Pullman. No. Their, Bill Pullman is basically a modern-day Sherlock Holmes, and uh, Ben Stiller is his Watson. It should be better than it is, but it's it's fine. It's, it's a good watch. And I bought it not knowing anything about it other than it starred Bill Pullman and Ben Stiller. I mean that's a hell of a cast. So <laughs> really early on though, like this was I, he might be it might be even before Independence Day. Stiller was definitely not a big name in Pullman. I mean I don't know. Young, handsome, virile Bill Pullman. <laughs> he was he was a senator. He was not a president yet. <laughs> he was still William Pullman. <laughs> My friends call me Will. <laughs> Willie P. <laughs> All right. That concludes our bonus episode here. Just helping pass some time while Julio's away on his honeymoon. Uh, we will be back with episode 86, which will be Little Miss Sunshine, uh, continuing on in the Contrarian summer road trip. But in the meantime, we appreciate you guys tuning into this bonus episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time. That summer road trip.